0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org.
1: So uh, today is the first day after the solstice. Yesterday was the shortest day of the year. This from Mark Coleman, who is a Buddhist teacher. Greetings. As we begin the first day after the winter solstice, I want to send you greetings to welcome this time of year that is both an invitation to immerse into these long, cold, dark nights, to dive deep into our inner being to welcome the lost and forgotten parts of ourselves and to explore that which is hidden and unexplored. At the same time, remembering that the dawn after the solstice heralds the return of the light and all that is possible, all that can be renewed, healed, and reborn. The light and the dark are but seasons within us and are never separate. And so, may the darkness envelop you like a warm embrace, and the growing light permeate your entire being, so you radiate and shine, no part left out. This can be a very sacred time of year. In ancient times, cultures celebrated the solstice in many different ways, sometimes with singing and dancing around a fire. We can imagine at the time of the Buddha that they undoubtedly celebrated the solstice he and, and his followers lived very close to the land, close to the seasons, being outdoors a good bit of the year. And it was traditional at special times to sit through the night, to meditate through the night. Uh, and many monasteries, they still do on um, full moon nights. They will sit up all night and meditate. And probably they did chanting and listened to the Dharma. Then, unfortunately, with um, monotheism, I think, uh, celebrating seasons and uh, the cycles of life, the change of the season and the earth, was seen as pagan and therefore not okay. But it seems in the last several years, the last couple decades anyway, that these practices are coming back. We are seeing more and more an interest in celebrating um, the change of the seasons and particularly the winter and summer solstice. So one way that the winter solstice is celebrated um, is with the Revels. Have any of you been to or heard of the Revels? It's a a wonderful program in Oakland at the Scottish Rite Temple uh, that honors the season. It's not religious, although there are you know, decorations and Christmassy things. Um, but there's singing and dancing and storytelling. And, and this is one uh, sharing from that. The shortest day. And so the shortest day came and the year died. And everywhere down the centuries of the snow-white world came people singing, dancing, to drive the dark away. They lighted candles in the winter trees. They hung their homes with evergreen. They burned beseeching fires all night long to keep the year alive. And when the New Year's sunshine blazed awake, they shouted, reveling, through all the frosty ages you can hear them Echoing behind us, listen. All the long echoes sing the same delight. This shortest day, as promise wakens in the sleeping land, they carol, feast, give thanks, and dearly love their friends and hope for peace. And now, so do we here. Now, this year, and every year. So, honoring the darkness, what does that mean? The darkness, the great mystery from which all life springs. So often we have a tendency to avoid the darkness or resist it, push it away. We can't wait for the daylight or we can't wait for the light. But we miss, we miss the richness of the dark time, of the night, which can be very rich, very fertile, very warm and comforting. That might surprise you because we often don't think of the dark that way. The dark time can prepare us for the light. There are many plants, including the poinsettia that's so uh, uh, popular this time of year, that need to be in darkness in order to bloom. I have one from last year that I never put in darkness, and it's not blooming. It's green, it's living, but it's not, it doesn't have um, colored leaves. It, it's not blooming. So this from the poet May Sarton. Help us to be the always hopeful gardeners of the Spirit, who know that without darkness, nothing comes to birth, as without light, nothing flowers. So, as I said, we tend to see darkness as not okay even bad sometimes, sometimes it evokes fear. The, it always amazes me. The same thing in the daylight at, is fine. At night can become scary. Even in my own neighborhood, you know, that's so familiar in the daylight. But it gets dark, and it takes on a whole different... Sense a whole different tenor. So I invite us all to turn towards the darkness, to allow ourselves to fully embrace the darkness. The darkness within, the darkness without. <clears throat> and what do we mean by the darkness within? There are things that may be hidden from our awareness, things that we have not yet acknowledged, not yet brought to light there can be difficulties there can be fears there can be unexamined um, all kinds of things memories or whatever that we just as soon keep there we don't necessarily want to bring to our attention or bring to light But in Buddhist practice we are encouraged to turn toward the difficulties the fear the challenges the dark we might say not to turn away from anything not to resist anything but to acknowledge it So I have, you probably can't see it in the back, but this is a, a, a very dramatic picture of a Tibetan wrathful deity. And the quote is from Carl Jung, who says, To confront a person with his own shadow is to show him his own light. So the shadow in, uh, in Jung's psychology is that part of us that is unacknowledged, the part that, um, that we tend to turn away from. But isn't it interesting that that very part is also the source of our light? Ralph Waldo Emerson says that (laughs) I'm blanking that our strength comes out of our weakness. And I used to have a saying on my refrigerator from Nelson Mandela that suggested that what we are really afraid of is not our weakness, but our greatness. Isn't that interesting? That we're really afraid of our own greatness, our own worth, and we tend to hide. This is from the poet Rilke. And it really struck me the first time I read it. You nights of anguish, why didn't I kneel more deeply to accept you? Inconsolable sisters, and surrendering, lose myself in your loosened hair. How we squander our hours of pain how we squander our hours of pain, how we gaze beyond them into the, into the bitter direction to see if they have an end, though they are really seasons of us, our winter. That one line how we squander our pain really touched me. That, as I have said, we tend to turn away from pain or from fear or from difficulty, thinking we can't handle it, thinking we shouldn't handle it. And we miss thereby. We miss the opportunity to learn from our difficulties, to learn even from our pain. So I have a a quick example from my own life. A couple of months ago my grandson was staying with me and we had it was a Saturday, we had gone to the farmer's market and then to the bank and then we went to Trader Joe's. And I came out from Trader Joe's and the car wouldn't start. I mean it didn't turn over Nothing it was dead, and I was stunned, I was flabbergasted. I keep it serviced. I had replaced the battery two months before i couldn't imagine, and of course, all I could think about was the things we had planned and how we were going to do this and that and etc and here 's my car dead in trader joe 's parking lot. well, when I finally. <laughs> Uh, came out of my shock. Uh, I called AAA and uh, they said, do you want a tow truck? A tow truck? <laughs> Where are you going to tow it? No, I don't want a tow truck. So they sent out their, their whatever, battery car. I, I said, I know it's not the battery, but okay. So, of course, that took 45 minutes And, but the guy, right, I told him and he opened the hood, he could see it was a brand new battery. So he he did whatever, he touched the the starter and had me turn the key, it started right up. So it was obviously the starter. Okay, now what do I do? He said, if you turn it off, there's a 50-50 chance it won't start again. (laughs) Well... So I called a friend of mine who happened to have a friend who knew someone that had a mobile car repair. I didn't even know there was such a thing. And he called him, and I forget the exact sequence, but uh, somehow I learned that the Toyota dealer, the service department was open on Saturday and Sunday, I had no idea. I assumed they were not. They were. Um, They could have taken the car that afternoon and given it to me in the morning. But I went home and left the car running, and my friend called me back. And within an hour, this mobile auto repair was there. And within two hours... I had a new starter, (laughs) and we carried on with our evening. I thought that was quite amazing. You know, of course, at first I thought, this is a disaster, what am I going to do? Only to find out that there are, you know, ways to have the car taken care of on the weekend, And to experience the kindness of two friends who made this possible. It may not seem like a big thing, but you know what? To me it was a big thing. I was so grateful. So out of what could have been a very, very difficult situation came much good and much gratitude so I'd like for us now to do a brief um, exercise I guess I'm going to ask Beverly you know we could ask Gloria to turn off the lights right behind you Gloria Just change the position of each one. Yeah, good. So, I'd like for us to sit for just a few minutes in the darkness and contemplate the darkness in your life. It could be darkness within, personal darkness, it can be darkness in the world. It doesn't matter. Allow yourself. To acknowledge, just to consider what you might think is dark in your life. So now remaining in the darkness, would anybody care to share what you discovered or what came up for you?
0: I'm sure it's a familiar theme but um, <laughs> deep fear about um, who our next president will be and the effect that that will have on the world but also um, I uh, contemplated uh, the deep inequality in our society and um uh, The deep poverty amongst um, great wealth.
1: Thank you. Somebody else? Well, for me, um, it's anger. I don't consider myself an angry person, but in the last several months, anger has been more, more apparent. An impatience. Um an intolerance of difficulty. And of course I'm curious what's behind it, you know. How come this anger? And I don't, I don't honestly know. So I am doing my best to be with it. Not, not to act it out, to try to catch myself. Um, But just Live the question, as we say. Hold the question. What's, what's going on? What's behind this? You know, so often we, we want to rush to a conclusion or what to do differently, what to change. And we don't take time to just be with whatever the difficulty is. Anybody
2: else? It's a great topic um, that I've been contemplating. Um, It's been interesting how, as I've been going through more compassionate meditations, um, what I discovered was um, um, the reason why I, I had a lot of time, hard time dealing with conflict was that I was taught or grown up to walk away um, from conflict and what I learned was that um, you know I never knew how to love or accept people when they make mistakes Mm -hmm. and so I always kind of walked away and so I've been um, you know having to to see conflict with love now Mm -hmm. and uh, um, you know that's been helping me because I think part of me, it, it is easier to cling to a darker side of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to counter that with a loving side. Um, and, uh, and when I can counter that, I can, I can stand up strong. And, uh, and so I think the contemplation was uh, how do I stand strong you know I need to love that dark side of me that, yeah. mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yes good thank you so maybe that's a good segue Gloria would you put the lights back on So at the solstice time we can celebrate both the dark and the light. Not as opposites or um, incompatible but as the yin and the yang. We need both. And of course we can't have one without the other. They define each other. But seeing them as not so separate not so opposite but that we need both in our lives so how do we how do we find the light within the darkness well as i said in our buddhist practice we're encouraged to turn toward the difficulty toward the fear toward whatever it is that we may not necessarily want to face. We say sometimes the way through is through. (laughs) So instead of turning away or pushing away or denying or ignoring, we face it. We face whatever it is. And paradoxically, in that facing... Somehow it relaxes, the answer appears, uh, the light comes. It's amazing. So our mindfulness practice, paying attention and being aware. We can also use metta, loving-kindness practice, for ourselves, for our difficulty, for the world. Um, Metta can be very, very powerful. Some traditions talk about prayer. We don't talk about prayer in Buddhist practice, but we have loving kindness, which can be similar. A way of wishing well to ourselves and everyone. I like to say sometimes it's a way of aligning with life, being with and embracing whatever is happening. So we see all around us at this time celebration of the light. As I was coming down Farm Hill on my way, my God. Goodness, House after house, just filled with lights, lights of all colors, all kinds, really incredible. It's lovely, isn't it? There are candles, and there are, you know what I saw today, I saw a big black spider like leftover from Halloween with Christmas lights all around. <laughs> I had to look at it for five minutes to be sure. That's really a big black spider. But it was kind of funny. That's kind of, in a way, the dark and the light. Just about every tradition has a way of celebrating the light. In the Jewish tradition, there's the menorah. Um, at this time of year, there's Diwali in the uh, Indian uh, culture. Um, so I have many Indian neighbors and they have lights out. And it's really fun. There's Kwanzaa. And in my particular background, um, my mother's family was from Sweden. And in Sweden, we have Santa Lucia. And Santa Lucia is a the patron saint of <laughs> Sweden, and on the thirteenth of December, uh, there's a pageant with Santa Lucia wearing a crown of five lights. It used to be candles, but now of course it's battery lights. And um, she gets up very early in the morning and makes coffee and um, and Santa Lucia rolls for her family. And it's an honoring uh, uh, the return of the light or celebrating the light. In the Zen tradition, uh, on December 8th, they celebrate the Buddha's enlightenment. You know, in our tradition, uh, as Gil likes to say, we're very efficient. So we celebrate the Buddha's birth, his enlightenment, and his death <laughs> all on one day, the full moon in May. But in Zen, they celebrate the month. Different days. And in December, it's Rohatsu, or the celebrating of the Buddha's enlightenment. And of course, his enlightenment signified waking up, right? Being awake and aware. And the end of suffering, coming out of our suffering. We acknowledge the the we sometimes say Buddha nature the possibility within each of us of that awakening. Of being able to step out of our suffering and live in the light we might say. So The Buddha talked about that we should be lamps unto ourselves, that we should be a refuge unto ourselves. He said, Be refuges unto yourself. Take yourself no external refuge. Hold fast to the truth as a lamp. Hold fast to the truth as a refuge. Look not for a refuge in anyone besides yourselves. And those, Ananda, who either now or after I am dead shall be a lamp unto themselves, shall betake themselves as no external refuge, but holding fast to the truth as their lamp, holding fast to the truth as their refuge shall not look to anyone else besides themselves. It is they who shall reach to the very topmost height. So we're encouraged to be lamps unto ourselves. Again, Nelson Mandela says, as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. So, now for a few minutes, I would like for us to sit in the light. (laughs) Come on. And as we sit in the light... Contemplate the light in our lives. Again, the light within us, the light within the world. How do we see or how do we experience the light? So now again, would anyone care to share the light that you discovered?
3: Um. Uh, So, uh, I, I grew up in the area, and then, you know, when I was growing up, I was always like, man, I need to move out of here. This is uh, so silly. This is such a silly place. I live in this bubble, blah, blah, blah. And um, I I moved back here after, you know, living elsewhere for like seven years. And, um, you know, I walk down the same streets that I grew up. And I, I'm like, wow, it's actually very beautiful here. <gasps> um, and I'm like, These, this tree is actually very beautiful. Um, it's such a big tree. Um, And I remember I had a friend from the East Coast visit and she said, you guys have so many trees and they're so big. And it's just so funny how um, we can forget or we can easily take for granted things because we're so caught up in, you know, the stories that we tell ourselves. Um, But, uh, you know, sometimes when you're just present in that moment, you're like, oh, actually, you know, I'm in traffic, but wow, this... The sky is so beautiful, <laughs> or wow! Like you're on I-280 and there's traffic. And you're like, wow! Like there's this 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 area around me to my left is so beautiful. Like um, this is a nature preserve, and um, like rather than just getting be feeling frustrated that I'm in traffic, I can look to my left and 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 look at this beautiful thing.
1: Lovely, thank you. <laughs> someone else share your light (laughs) remember that song when we were very young this little light of mine (laughs) I'm going to let it shine
0: and actually I was thinking of that I do a (laughs) lot of singing these days including at a BART station Really, with about 20 other people um For peace, Uh for unity, Uh um, trying to make sense of chaos. But um, Mm -hmm. I also just felt um, really deep gratitude for um, the great beauty of this area and the friends I have um, and the things I've discovered discovered and continue to, to discover. Mm-hmm. I'm very very lucky. Thank you.
1: One more.
2: Strangely, the first thing that came to mind for me was being grateful to be here and to be meditating. Mm-hmm. I've discovered meditation in the last maybe 2 or 3 months. Mm-hmm. Um just had a lot of stress, a lot of things going on that um, I needed help with, and it's been really helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I actually do practice um, with the lights fully turned on because otherwise I still tend to drift away. (laughs) Um, So I think that was the first thing that came to mind for me. Uh Beautiful.
1: Yes, I think it's a season of gratitude, isn't it? There are so many... We're very fortunate in this area in many, many ways, and there's much to be grateful for. Yeah. So thank you all.